DAB Plus online via the Talksport app and on your smart speaker. UFL All Access on Talksport 2. Hello and welcome back to EFL All Access. The packed festive period is now over. We're back with a bang. Unfortunately, though, Wayne Rooney hasn't come out the other side, dismissed by Birmingham City after just 83 days. There was nothing about this decision that smacked to me of anything other than some form of autograph hunting and perception. Ipswich get the winter blues. Is their tilt at the championship title beginning to fall apart? We know that this is a season to enjoy. We've already put ourselves in a great position. We, we don't have to worry about the bottom end of the table. We can enjoy um, how we're performing, how we're developing as a team, try and run as many games as we can and, and see where it takes us. All three divisions incredibly tight in the battle for the playoffs. We're going to assess all the runners and riders and how they've come out after this Christmas uh, festive calendar and ask who's going to crack under the pressure. Hopefully not Stevenage. He's just a rubbish referee. That's, that's what he is. His performance today was typical of a referee being influenced by the fans. And maybe a little bit starting to crack already there, Steve. I'm Hugh Wizencroft, joined by the former Stevenage and Southend midfielder Adrian Clark as we start 2024 in style. This is EFL All Access on TalkSport 2. Hello, welcome back. I have missed you. Hopefully you've missed me too. I hope you all had a great Christmas and Happy New Year to you all. So many games. I know it's been a little bit of a period where we've been away from you, but we had so many live games to bring you over. TalkSport 2 in many different sports, including at the darts a little bit later on, that we were sadly put to one side. But we're back. Have no fear. Between here and the end of the season, we've got you absolutely covered across the EFL. Let me say Happy New Year as well. To Adrian Clark, how are you, mate? Ah, oh, thank you. Yeah, have a good one yourself, you. Let's make twenty twenty four a good one. Um, I'll try my best. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, look, it was an action packed Christmas period, wasn't it? Goodness me. Um, I managed to get to a few games, saw some teams up close and personal. It was, yeah, it was, um, yeah, nice and busy. And I'm looking forward to to what's going to be a nice long running. It was packed. The only thing I knew that was happening over Christmas and the festive period was there's a football match on today. That's all I really knew. I didn't know what day of the week it was. Could barely knew what time it was. Didn't know if I'd made the turn the oven on or whether I'd got the presents or any of that stuff. I had no idea what was going on. But one thing I knew, football was coming and it did deliver. I've got to be honest and I've got to say, in the EFL, we've had twists and turns all the way. We'll get right into the, the hunts and how they've, if you like, going to be updated in terms of what we've seen over the last few weeks in terms of League One, League Two and, of course, the Championship. We start with that top division in the Championship and the huge news of the day because it's come to an end at St Andrews for Wayne Rooney. Birmingham remains seven points above the relegation zone and the pressure builds for Wayne Rooney. Full-time, Leeds three, Birmingham nil. We haven't got the results which I expected and wanted. So that's been disappointing. Um, but, you know, I'm a fighter, I'll get through it. Can you see light at the end of the tunnel? Well, at the minute, it's difficult, and um, obviously, in, in terms of 
results, but we have to keep believing, you know, we, we will get through this. In the last few moments, Birmingham City has announced it has parted company with manager Wayne Rooney. You weren't good enough at what you were doing, and if you wanted to affect change, then you should have had the experience, the nous, and the wherewithal to go, I need to do this in bite-sized chunks. We were saying exactly the same phrase when it came to Gianfranco Zola inheriting Gary Rowett's job, and look where that got us. What is it about the criteria that Wayne Rooney put in front of you that made you make the decision to take a manager that put you inside the top six, fire him, and put a manager that's put you in the bottom five. Well, they may have made a bad decision the first time around, but maybe they've seen the error of their ways at Birmingham City because they've sacked Wayne Rooney after just two wins in his 15 games in charge. Yesterday's 3-0 defeat to Leeds was the final straw. He took the club from 6th to 20th in the championship. The question is really, was it autograph hunting from the ownership? Given his managerial record, why did they appoint him in the first place? Uh, let's speak to Brian Dick, Birmingham Mail writer, who joins us now. Good evening, Brian. Yeah, hi, Hugh. How's it going? I can tell by your voice you've had a very busy day, my friend. <laughs> what was your immediate reaction to this news when you heard it? Um, a little bit of shock, not necessarily because uh, I think it was the wrong decision. I actually think it was the right decision. Um, I, I think I was surprised at the uh, the speed with which they, they reached it. Um, I, I think if you'd have, if you'd have asked me ten hours ago, I'd have thought they're probably going to give him the transfer window, uh, give give their man every chance to, to to succeed because they were all all in all in on him. Um, but yeah, it, I, as I say, I think the decisiveness is the sh is the shock rather than the decision itself. What do you think went wrong? for Wayne Rooney in your eyes um, you know he, he he didn't exactly he wasn't exactly the continuity appointment he did try and change things from the time that John Eustace had in charge tactically but I was reading about the, the press releases and the press conference I was listening to from when Rooney was appointed earlier on and it was very clear in what everyone was saying that the club wanted change they wanted a change of style of football um, they wanted more young players from the academy to be used. You know, they, they spoke about fearless football and free-flowing football. And listen, maybe that was a mistake, but is, isn't, isn't that really what Wayne Rooney tried to deliver? Was he a little bit maybe naive to keep doing so for so long? Well, I heard a uh, a good phrase in your intro, actually, Hugh, and it was bite size or, or doing it with, you know, with bite-sized chunks. Um, the, the team that... Um, that beat West Brom in John Eustace's last game and, and the way they did it um, was utterly different in after Rooney's first sort of week or 10 days or so in charge. And when he took them up to Middlesbrough, they were making the pitch big. They, you know, they really spread out. They were trying to keep the ball on the floor and they just weren't ready to do it. So they really did try to run before they could walk. Mm. And I, th I think um, that's true also, not just of, of, of Rooney and the instructions he gave his team, but also of, of, of the new owners as well. Listen, Knighthead and Tom Wagner uh, have, have been a massive breath of fresh air after so many years at, at Birmingham City. Um, so, you know, let's let's not be too critical of them because I think I don't think it's an overestimation to say they have saved the club. Um, but they've they've tried to run too quickly with, with this one. Uh, and it's an overhauling a style mid-season when the rest of the championship is trying to knock you off your perch. It's not. It. It. I think it's virtually impossible, particularly with it with a team that was recruited, you know, just two or three months earlier to play a certain style. I just think it was it was too big an ask, and there was too much change uh, enforced too quickly. And then once you start changing the variables, 
it skids out of control very, very quickly and confidence seeps away. Uh, Adrian will know confidence is hard won and easily lost, isn't it? And and with, within the you know within the last last four or five weeks, it's, they seem to have been going around in tactical circles and not having much conviction. Uh, the players haven't had much conviction about what they're doing. Yeah, that was exactly my observation, Brian. I've got to say, I've sort of seen Birmingham a few times of late, and and they wanted to play this front foot football, wanted to be aggressive, but but it was exposing the big weakness in the team, which was the defence and the defence because the results were were poor, because goals were flying in against them, they just began to crumble and, and the confidence ebbed away from the whole team. So, yeah, I, I completely agree with your assessment there. This isn't a good look for Gary Cook, is it? Now, Gary Cook, obviously, is the CEO. He's the man that they, they've appointed on the ground to, to do the big deals. Rooney was Cook's man and he's got a bit of egg on his face here, hasn't he? He's not going to get a second... Well, he will get a second chance to appoint somebody, but he won't get a third, will he, if it goes wrong? Well, not if it's this bad. Not as as as, as bad as the Rooney situation's gone. I don't think Cook helped Rooney, Adrian, if, if I'm honest. You know, the the whole statement and the no-fear football and, and the... I felt he was slightly disrespectful to John Eustace. And, you know, whether, whether you thought that it was, it was time to move on from John Eustace, I personally didn't. I can see why new owners would want a new, a, a, a more exciting brand of football. I thought Eustace would have got there, but just to say that you know the the, the no fear thing, the no fear sort of slogan that that, got, that was in in the press con, in the press release, it hung round Rooney's neck like a millstone, and you know it'll it'll go it'll be a, a footnote in Blues history. I think just it, it was such a difficult brief to f- fulfil. As I said, on the hoof in the championship learning about players. Is it time for the club to have a more measured approach to, to everything that they do? Well, I say everything, to everything they do when it comes to the first team and the football, because they've done some fantastic things that you mentioned already. Big investment in terms of the infrastructure at the football club, we know, and we can see what they've been doing inside the, the stadium, but also training ground, academy, medical facilities. You know, they are trying to enhance and invest in this football club in every area that, that, that they can given the restrictions that they have currently in terms of, of spending, that really means that they can't go out big in terms of the playing squad. But really, in terms of this next appointment, I know there are big aspirations at Birmingham City. Sensible. is it, That's not really a word that most owners who are promising the world and want to change a football club want to use. But we maybe need to put a bit of a handbrake on this and come away from no fear, get back to pragmatism. Do you think they'll do that? I, I certainly hope so. Um, I, I would imagine they will have, you know, half an eye on stability uh, and one and a half eyes on progression still. They are massively ambitious. And, you know, Tom Brady hasn't thrown his name behind Birmingham City for, for a 12th place finishing the championship year on year, has he? They, they want to move forward. And, and as you say, Hugh, the stuff they're doing off the, off the field is moving them forward. But in my, in my opinion, um, I don't. I, I don't think you can. You can rush, um, rush success. I, I, I think you have to evolve in the championship. It's such a such a, a dog eat dog world. You have to do it sensibly. You have to do it systematically. And and you know, unfortunately, I don't. I just don't think you can do that in six months. If, if one of you two guys can say can quote me an example and and say that our oh, team team X were turned around in 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 six months, that you know, and, and they were playing brilliant football. 
getting their way up, getting their way up the Championship into the Premier League, then, then I'll take it. But I can't think of one. Maybe Steve Cooper at Forest, but Forest still had good players, and uh, you know their football. The, 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 he didn't approach it like Brazil, did he? You know they still mm, played sensible, mm. sensible football, didn't didn't they? Mm. They did, yeah. But Burnley had a big transformation, but they had Premier League yeah. money, didn't they? So that yeah, was that was a did. big difference there. You mentioned Steve Cooper, he. He's in the sort of uh, manager odds. He's pretty high up on that list. There's a lot of excitement around um, Birmingham City fans at that potential appointment. It feels fanciful to me that that Steve Cooper will end up at St Andrews. Do you think there are any legs in it? Or do you think that they're more likely to go for, say, I don't know, a Tony Mowbray or or a Gary Rowett? I'd love there to be legs in it. I really would. I think Steve Steve Cooper... It's impressed me that every step of his managerial career, and if he wants to piggyback from wherever he is at the moment to St Andrews, then I'm I'm more than happy to, <laughs> to to bear that burden. I just feel it is a bit fanciful. It's a bit ambitious. I think Steve Cooper's proved enough in the last two years that his next job is probably mid to lower end Premier League rather than lower end Championship. Um. So yeah, I th- yeah, that that would be a reach for me. I hope I'm wrong. Uh, the, the guy you mentioned there, Tony Mowbray, you know, he's he's a he's a sensible builder of football teams, isn't he? Mm. Um, you know, and can you sell the name Tony Mowbray in, in America, which I'm sure the current owners will want to do? Maybe not. Um, but can you sell success and progression and 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 steady, you know, steady evolution? I think you probably can. You can certainly sell it to the supporters. Yeah, um, I mean, so yeah, I'd 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 be up for someone like Mowbray. Jesse Marsh is another name that's been really int- it, it, that interests me, um, and I wonder if that appeals to the owners both because of the obviously the American link, and also because his Leeds team were pretty energetic, weren't they? Indeed, they were. Yeah, it, it, it's an interesting one because. We, 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 there'll be a lot of conversation around what profile of manager fits the club at this point in time. Not many people making those arguments in the media will actually have a good understanding of the playing squad as it is right now and whether those managers could actually get something out of this group. Do you feel like a Jesse Marsh is someone who could, with the players that at Birmingham City right now, put together a side that, that could be really competitive. There are other names being spoken about, of course, Lee Carsley as well in there at the moment. Uh, we mentioned Rowett, Eustace and uh, his return. You mentioned, of course, and Steve Steve Cooper. Scott Parker, for me, is someone who possibly the club might look at too. You know, he hasn't had a great time of late, obviously, in management, but it's undeniable in his time in the championship and the promotions that he's earned that he may be a credible candidate as well. I don't know what you, you make of the playing squad and whether any of those managers you think could really fit with them. I actually think Eustace had the current squad playing close to to sort of maximum output. They, they, they were they were functional. They weren't massively attractive, but they were effective. They, they were organised. They knew what they were doing. They'd won five of his 11 games. He had them six, as, as, as we've said. You, you know, that there there is a... There's a cogent, coherent eleven or squad in there for me. There, there absolutely is. That's not. That's not to say you know whoever comes in is is going to immediately fashion a team to to play everyone off the park. But there's enough ability, and if confidence can be restored, there's a, there's enough quality in that in that side. Guys like Dembele and Jay Stansfield uh, and Koji Miyoshi and Janino Bakuna. There are some technical players in there that that, that you. 
that you can build around and some really good midfielders. Christian Bielik's a real good, solid, established mm. championship midfielder. Leon Sanderson was man of the match at centre back in virtually every game of the um of the first sort of five or first five or six matches. John Ruddy's a, a good keeper. He's looked he's looked wobbly as things have sort of become sta- destabilized around him, but mm. he's he's a good keeper as well. So yeah, that, there is ability there to 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 create something. Not to not to pass everyone off the pitch and, and you know go up go up in through the playoffs, I don't think. There's there's enough to stabilise things and drag drag the team you know up to respectability and then have a real look at what what happens next season when some of the big contracts come off the books in the summer. Very quickly, yeah. in in terms of relegation, how are you feeling about the possibility of Birmingham going down at full time against Leeds at the weekend, and how are you feeling about it now that Wayne Rooney's no longer the manager? Um, I was feeling pretty despondent. After after the Leeds loss, um, I, I yeah I I didn't see any signs of improvement. I saw I saw regression. I have to be honest. Um, and you know the rest the the signs of life in that bottom three isn't there? Maybe mm. QPR have tailed off a little bit, but Sheffield Wednesday have improved. Um, Rotherham can be feisty on their day. You, you know I, I I was concerned. Listen, they have to get this support. I don't, I'm not going to say now they're going to stay up because Rooney's gone, but they, they do need to get this this appointment right. But as I said earlier, there's with the right improvement, a uh, right appointment, there's enough quality in this team to, to to move away. And I'm sure we'll have big news hopefully soon for those Birmingham City fans over what the future holds. Brian Dick, Birmingham Mail writer, thank you so much for joining us on EFL All Access. We'll take a look at the top and the bottom of the championship next. Stay with us here on TalkSport 2. On DAB+, Plus, online, via the TalkSport app and on your smart speaker. EFL All Access on TalkSport 2. You're listening to EFL All Access on TalkSport 2. I'm Hugh Wizencroft alongside the former Arsenal midfielder, Adrian Clark. Yes, we've discussed the big news regarding Wayne Rooney's sacking at Birmingham City, but we do need to talk about the results and the football itself and just how things have been going over the last few weeks. For each of the next uh, 45 minutes, we are going to dissect each division in terms of the title race, the playoff picture and the relegation battle and we go to the championship as things stand after the festivities for Christmas. Uh, all teams have played 26 games. Leicester are top on 65 points. A 10 point lead over Ipswich. They're just 3 points ahead of Southampton who are third. They've got a 5 point lead over Leeds United. Leeds have a 6 point lead over West Brom and they have a 2 point lead over Sunderland who are 6. So it's not as tight and bunched as it was as we went into this Christmas period. Leicester City now 10 points clear. And for a lot of people, the big conversation is around Ipswich, Adrian, who've now suffered four draws and a defeat in their last five league games. The gap increasing to 10 points. Let's hear from their boss, Kieran McKenna. The Christmas period, the perfect opportunity to build momentum, but maybe it has had the opposite effect. He spoke to Adrian after their latest fixture. We know the achievement, what we're doing to be here and, and we just focus on, you know, performing as well as we can as a team. There's no, you know, certainly the expectation isn't on us with the teams and the level of teams that we have around us. They're having really good seasons as well and, um, you know, we know that this is a, a season to enjoy. We've already put ourselves in a great position. We, we don't have to worry about the bottom end of the table. We can enjoy 
um, how we perform and how we're developing as a team, try and run as many games as we can and, and see where it takes us. Yeah, winless in five, does that impact the business that you might do this month in the window? No, it doesn't. Look, yeah, we've we've drawn four of the last five, but we've we've lost one game in, in a long time. We've lost three games all season, two of them to a team we were in the Premier League last year and um, the other one away to West Brom against another really strong club. So, yeah, um, you can look at it whichever way. We'll take the positives. We know, you know, if we work as we are today and we work how we have been, we're a really, really hard team to beat. The margins between drawing and, and winning the games are, are really fine. And we know that we want to strengthen the squad in the window. That's, you know, always been the case. Of course, the position that we're in in the season, um, you you look at that then as a club and, and try and find the best way to make the best of that situation. Um, and we'll try and improve the squad through this uh, through this window, but certainly not because of, you know, a couple of draws over Christmas, more because we, we need to keep improving the team. So a busy January ahead for Ipswich Town. The last time out, by the way, a goalless draw at Stoke. Before that, a goalless draw against Queen's Park Rangers. Don't often draw a blank Ipswich. They have done in the last two games. The question around the Madrian is really if the pressure of the situation that they've been in is possibly starting to affect them. What do you think? I don't think it's the pressure. I, I actually think that Kieran McKenna kind of had it right when I asked him uh, about the season so far. He says it's a season we can enjoy. The pressure, he said, is on Southampton, it's on Leeds to to bounce straight back up. And for Ipswich, even though they're in they've been in such a strong position, you know, they're not preoccupied by having to be in the top two. I, I, I think they're jaded rather than feeling the pressure, if I'm honest. And they've had a lot of injuries. Many play I think they made seven changes for the game against QPR because players were ill or injured or suspended and and the depth isn't there compared to those relegated Premier League sides. And and a lot of those guys came back against Stoke and you know, they played well in parts. But I think they would be disappointed because Stoke were down to 10 players for the last 25 minutes and Ipswich didn't really look like scoring. So that will be a source of frustration. Um, and then they need a striker. They need probably strengthening at the back as well. And then, you know, they're, they're in the mix. They're mm. in the mix. But I, I don't think it's the pressure thing. I just think... They're a little bit exhausted. George Hurst looks like he's going to be out for a period of time as well. And so maybe they will be forced to go into that striker market, as you mentioned. The pressure, though, and the reason I asked about it, Adrian, is mm. because it's being caused by another club, really. It's not necessarily internally at Ipswich where these feelings may come from because Southampton are now just three points behind them. They were held to a one-all draw at Norwich at the weekend. Not exactly the result that Russell Martin was looking for. I think it's a point gain. We're 10 points over the Christmas period. We're unbeaten in 18, so it uh, depends which way you look at it. I'm frustrated we don't win or keep it clean sheets. We deserve to, but um, any point in the championship, especially here, is, is a good one. You'll admit, though, this is a long season. You've done this before with this club. As a player, you went up twice, so you know what to expect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's relentless, and uh, we've managed to put ourselves in an amazing position after being such a tough one. And uh, we need to keep, keep growing. We're 18 unbeaten. It's really something to be proud of. Um, we need to keep growing and building. Uh, Russell Martin there speaking to Talk Sports. Mike Sewell, uh, one-all draw at Norwich at the weekend, unbeaten in 18 games. They've got Walsall in the FA Cup at the weekend before matches against Sheffield Wednesday, Swansea and Hull to round out January. This run has been formidable, really. You know, I think Russell Martin had it right there in terms of, you know, every point accrued in this division is a, a decent one, particularly away from home. But ultimately, if they can extend this unbeaten run, even if they lose, if they can put another run like this together before the end of the season, you'd imagine they'd be finishing in the top two. 
Yeah, you would. They've, they've, they've come on really strong, stronger than I thought they would after they had those early season struggles. Yeah, the improvement's been massive. And you look at their squad, you compare it to Ipswich's squad, and you think, well, over the course of the second half of the season, you'd probably back the Saints to outpoint them in, in terms of in terms of results. So, yeah, they've put themselves probably in pole position now, um, ahead of Leeds, and that, and that surprised me. Leeds, Leeds tailing off a little bit over Christmas outside of that win against against Birmingham City. But, but yeah, no, Southampton are strong. And, um, yeah, they've got a settled side now. Interesting that he changed, tweaked his system a little bit at Norwich. He's playing Carl Walker-Peters a little bit further forward, which is, is a new development and it seems to suit him. It's a great assist for the for the goal mm. at Carrow Road from Walker-Peters. So, yeah, they're in, they're in fine fettle, the Saints. I think they'd like more clean sheets. They're prone to giving away sloppy goals, but... It's difficult to to be too critical of a team that's been unbeaten for so long. Let's look at the playoff picture then. I think Southampton obviously a part of it, even though it looks like they're pushing on more towards those above them. Um, We mentioned Leeds United. They beat Birmingham by three goals to nil defeat this weekend for West Brom. Sunderland unbeaten in three uh, under Mick Beale. Um, Hull City, three defeats in the last four for Liam Rossini's side. Unbelievably... Coventry City up to 37 points now, just three points off the top six, which is incredible given their start to the season. And Cardiff in ninth on 37 points as well. Listen, we could go deeper than that as well because we've got three teams on 36 points, two teams on 35 going all the way down to 14th in the table. So this is going to be a very, very difficult area to call. What do you make of the teams within it, Adrian? Yeah, well, Coventry, yeah, the team with momentum, aren't they? And they've got a great manager, Mark Robbins. So it wouldn't surprise me if they snuck in. Um, Leeds really disappointed me when I watched them at West Brom. I thought Daniel Farker's tactics that night were were quite puzzling. They lacked a sort of um, clarity in what they were doing. It was a bit of a messy performance. But they've got great pace and great ability in forward areas. And I think the home form is going to carry them through maybe not into the top two as I'd expected, but certainly into the playoffs. So, so yeah, they'll be there. West Brom, I think, will be there. They, they, they don't lose many games. Don't score enough to challenge the top two, but but they don't lose too many either. And I've got to say, Hugh, if they get into the playoffs, West Bromwich Albion, no one will want to play them. Mm. Nobody, because Carlos Corbran in one-off situations is outstanding. He is a brilliant sort of match play manager. And I think that no matter who he came up against, he would, I would back him to tactically nullify the opposition. Um, so, so yeah, they're dark horses. They're not the best team, mm. but they're in a real shout. And, and I think Hull City are a, a club that, that are on the rise as well under Liam Rossini. They, they'll be there or thereabouts. Might be Hull or Coventry, maybe for that final playoff place. Looking forward to seeing how that race pans out. Bottom of the table is going to be an interesting one too. Three wins in five games for Sheffield Wednesday. They beat Hull 3-1 live on TalkSport 2 yesterday. They're now just three points from safety. It's been four defeats in five games for Queen's Park Rangers. They're 23rd and struggling. Four draws and a win in five matches for Stoke City under Stephen Schumacher, who wasn't the Stoke boss the last time we spoke, I don't think. Maybe he was, just about. Um, what are you making of the bottom of the table in the Championship? Yeah, Stoke are going to be fine. Honestly, I've watched them twice now uh, under Schumacher and they've been really good in both games. Big improvement. They will climb into mid-table. I've got no doubt about that. I, there are signs of life with Rotherham, with QPR and certainly with Sheffield Wednesday. 
So the teams above them have got to be careful. I think Huddersfield, for me, are ones that, that are quite likely, I would suggest, to, to drop into the bottom three by the end of the season. And and based on what I've seen of late, it might be Sheffield Wednesday that escape. Danny Roll has got, got them going. They're in a much better place, more attacking, more assertive. They're, they're having a bit of fun, I think, with, with the way that they're playing football as well. So, yeah, I think if I was a Huddersfield fan, I'd be quite nervous at the moment. The way that Sheffield Wednesday are playing. QPR are a funny team. They've got the talent mm. and the performances have been good, but the results are just so inconsistent. So, yeah, Hoops fans will be a little bit edgy, but I don't think they're as bad as the position maybe suggests. There's only one team that I really kind of fear for in there, and that is is Blackburn Rovers. And it's a weird one. That Listen, I say they're in there. They're not in there at the moment, but their firm form at the moment isn't what mm. they would have hoped for under John Dahl Thomas. And the only thing I'd say is on their day, they have the ability to score a number of goals. And that would, you know, if you like, pull out results for you. But if you look at it, they've got one win in the last eight games, six mm. defeats in there. They did have a draw at the weekend, but it was against lowly Rotherham at home. They would have expected a little bit more there. Just, just quickly on them as a... A unique case. Um, are they going to be drawn in, do you think? I don't think so. I think this is more of a wobble or a blip than something more terminal. I like them. I like the young players. They've got a lot, lot of talented youngsters in the team and they're pretty attack-minded. And the, I think they'll score enough goals to win enough games yeah. to, to stay clear. That That's my gut feeling. But yeah, it's a, it's a rotten run. They've had a horrible Christmas. But I think Blackburn will be all right. Right, we'll be into League One next. Uh, you're listening to EFL All Access, uh, supported by 888 Sport, made to deliver, made to play. Uh, you can check it out, 18 plus, of course, be gambleaware.org. And as I say, up next, we'll talk about the title in League One. It's going to be a tight one once again. You're listening to EFL All Access on TalkSport 2. Hugh Wissencroft here alongside Adrian Clark, the former Southend midfielder. We're into League One now. The question is really, will it be seven into six at the top of the table? Adrian Pompey at 53 points from 25 games. Bolton 51 points from 24. It's very unequal at the moment in terms of games played, which is why I'm explaining it to you, by the way. Peterborough, 49 points from 25. Derby, 46 from 24. Oxford, 46 from 25. Barnsley, 43 from 24. And Stevenage in seventh. On goal difference alone, 43 points from 25 games. Mm. Um, There's been a myriad of different results in terms of form. Some have got stronger, some looking a little bit weaker. In terms of that top six, seven pitcher, um, what do you think in, in terms of who's doing best and who's doing worst? Well, um, Bolton have had the best Christmas. Um, well, they've had four straight wins. So so they're they're looking very good, actually, Bolton. I think I've, I've seen them play in the flesh and I was impressed. Really good football. Um, so I think they've got a chance. I know that they didn't really turn up in the big game against Portsmouth not so long ago. They were They were beaten in that game. Mm. But apart from that, they've been they've been very 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 good, and Portsmouth aren't going anywhere, are they? That was a good win against Stevenage. They had to sort of grind it out. Maybe weren't at their very best, so so they're in the conversation. And and for top two, I'm going to also chuck in Peterborough United. I think that they I love their forward line, Hugh. Absolutely brilliant. The wingers in particular, Poku and uh, Efron Mason Clark, brilliant 
um, dynamic dribblers. They, they they torment most opponents. And at the moment, they've they've sort of Johnson Clark Harris wants to leave, so he's on the bench. He's mm. the sort of club legend. But they've brought in Ricky J Jones, one of the academy graduates, and he's he's been in the goals as well. So it's a really fearless front three. And I got a feeling Peterborough um, might end up in the top two at the expense of either Pompey or Bolton, um, maybe Pompey. You felt like it was a massive win uh, for Peterborough at the weekend. Uh, a couple of academy graduates getting on the score sheet for them. They're in third. Uh, it was that fourth place derby. It was the game of the weekend in league win one, really, and it keeps uh, Posh's promotion challenge well and truly alive. As you mentioned, Portsmouth maintaining pace at the top of the table after their win over Stevenage. However, we have to talk about the reaction of the Stevenage boss, Steve Evans, don't we? Wasn't very happy with the officials in this game. We watched one of our players run towards their back before he escapes the challenge. The guy recovers and drags the shirt off him. Doesn't get a second yellow. And a number of other factors in, in Breakspear's performance just says to me, he's, he's just a rubbish referee. That's, that's what he is. I'm not questioning his honesty. If I was here saying he's, he's dishonest, I'd say it. I'm not one of these that hide behind the bushes. I'll say it as it is. His performance today was typical of a referee being influenced by the fans. And this is an incredible atmosphere. So you have to be strong here. You have to give that penalty. You have to send Marlon pack off. He, couldn't, he booked my striker. He booked my central midfield player in the first half for something I've never heard before. I asked for clarification at half-time. And here's the excuse. It's the third team foul. He's unlucky. I said that's his first foul. It's the team's third foul. So, he's, so he gets a yellow. Well, I'll speak to the, the head of referee. I'll speak to her the next day. So they'll see the video. And uh, Peter got another game next week. And as, as I said to the head of referees a couple of weeks ago when he came to see me, he'll get another big game and he'll get coached. Managers get the sack. Very, very uh, strong reaction. Let's call it that from Steve Evans. He likes to, you know, be frank with his opinions. I'm very hopeful for Steve Evans' sake that there was a few £20 notes in his Christmas cards from family and friends over the Christmas period because you can't imagine he will escape any kind of punishment for his comments after the game. Um, listen, look, there were a number of big decisions in the game. Nathan Thompson got a red. It was a horrible high boot, wasn't it? Straight red. Mm. Uh, for the challenge on Christian Sadie. Paul Rayner, the Stevenage assistant, was off late on in the game for a second yellow card as well. Bad blood. Clearly, both teams desperate to win. It was inside Fratton Park. We know what that delivers as well. Um, mm. And maybe Stevenage, I don't want to say helped in part by by the way that the, the bench acted in the game. Maybe it was the officials. I'll leave that up to others to decide. But, you know, had he kept a calm ahead, maybe his team may have stayed calmer and maybe they would have got a positive result. <laughs> you do know about Steve Evans, right? <laughs> you do know what he's like. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to give you... I'm, I'm giving you the chance to give him an out here. Oh, mate, you're asking the wrong person. Um, <laughs> look, Steve Evans and Paul Rayner are, are always at it. They're, you know, they're always in the year of the fourth officials. They're always creating sort of antagonistic moments um this is the least surprising rant i've ever heard um i think that do you know what i i don't think a manager should get fined or punished for calling a ref rubbish i don't because i think you know we, we're all entitled to our own opinions but if you are saying that they're dishonest or they're you know biased in any way then that's where you can get in trouble and mm. he sort of tripped himself up there and said um, that basically that he was influenced by the crowd. So he was insinuating that he, he was biased towards Portsmouth. And that's where that's where you you can get yourself into hot water. So I suspect they'll come down pretty hard on Steve Evans. And look, the Stevenage team will miss him. 
because you know the little double act that they've got going on on the bench mm. it 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 does impact the team and usually in a positive way the red card there can be no complaints about that that was unbelievable it was a karate kick right in the head and uh, yeah had to go uh, listen, it was a difficult weekend for Stevenage, but they're still right in it, to be perfectly honest, even though results haven't gone their way uh, over the last few weeks. Only one win in their last four matches. When we look down the table in League One, well, things at the bottom, uh, I want to call them tight. Four, um, excuse me, five teams separated by five points at the bottom of the table. The most positive period here is Reading for sure what is it six games now unbeaten for them it's absolutely amazing they have jumped out of the relegation zone as well we didn't really see it coming to be perfectly honest they replaced excuse me Exeter replaced them uh, after their their victory at the weekend for Reading um are, they, are we looking at a team now that's just not going to go down they're just so confident I don't, I don't think they will go down now. Yeah. No, I think Ruben Sellers has stabilised it. <laughs> the biggest danger they face is more points deduction. Mm. Because obviously we know about the owner and, and, and you know, how that situation has been detrimental to, to everyone at the club. You know, he's just got to pay the wages on time and Reading should survive. Um, but but if he continues to, to mess around in that respect, then they might be docked more and that could put them in, in trouble. Look, in the, across the last 10 games, they've been the eighth best team in League One. Mm -hmm. They've only lost twice and they've scored nine goals in their last four games. They're banging them in. Um, Sam Smith and uh, Femi Aziz uh, have found a bit of a hot streak. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's better times for Reading. But, yeah, some of the teams like Exeter, the ones they beat at the weekend, it's been a horrible run for them. And Fleetwood as well are, are in trouble. Cheltenham yeah. have, have improved. Mm -hmm. You think, have they run out of time a little bit? So, yeah, it's, it's going to be nice and competitive down at the bottom. But my, my feeling is that Reading might might just be OK now. When you look at Fleetwood, they've got a new manager in the shape of mm. Charlie Adam, uh, his first job in management as well. Um, he was beaten 3-1 at Shrewsbury at the weekend in his first game in charge. Derby at home, his first home match next up. Uh, he'll want to see them bounce back, of course. How big a job does he have on his hands right now? Well, he's got a big job because the team's low on confidence. They're winless in eight. They've lost six of those eight matches as well. So it's, that's the reason Lee Johnson um, got the sack. So he inherits a, a team that's in a losing habit, and that's not great. But um, And it's not easy because he's a rookie manager. He's, obviously, he's been looking after the Burnley under-21s. But this is different. This is This is proper... EFL football where results really do matter. So he's going to have to learn quickly on the job. What I will say about Fleetwood is that they've got good players. And he said that himself. Um, Jaden Stockley and Jack Marriott play for Fleetwood. Mm. These are two guys that can definitely score enough goals to keep Fleetwood in the division. I was looking around their squad earlier on. Sean Rooney, Ben Hennigan, uh, Ryan Broom, Danny Mayer, Josh Vella. They're all good players. Junior Kitana is a promising young player. So I think Fleetwood can survive, but it is a risky move from Fleetwood because Charlie Adam, like all first-time managers, doesn't know. Doesn't know how good he, he's going to be yeah, yeah. until he until he's down there in the firing line. So yeah, I wish him the best of luck though because he's he's a friend of Talksport and and he seems like a good good fellow. So um, yeah, good luck, Charlie. Just a word on Lee Johnson, who uh, he replaced at Fleetwood. Um... He's been sacked twice so far this season. Hibernian sacked him 
back in mm. Scotland as well. Um, in August, sorry, in Scotland. Just six of his 22 games in charge he won. Lost 10 of them. Um, what next for him in terms of coaching, do you think? Uh, yeah, I don't know. It, I like Lee. I think he, he's, uh, you know, I knew him a little bit a few years ago and he's a good character. And I think he's, his CV was pretty good up until the last couple of years. But he's, yeah, to get in sacks so early in his last two jobs is going to put put him off of a lot of other managers. What I will say is that manage, management is in the family. Obviously, Gary yeah. Johnson's dad has been managing for donkey's years. He's still, you know, he, he absolutely loves it. And I think Lee is exactly the same. So, look, if Lee has to go down into the National League, I reckon he'll do it. I don't think he'll be, his pride will be too big. And, yeah, he, he might have to go down to come back up again, Lee Johnson. But I, I just can't imagine him not being a manager for too long. I don't think he'd know what to do with himself. Mm. So he'll be back, but he might might have to suck it up and take a, a, a smaller job. We'll keep a close eye on him. Maybe he'll come and join us on EFL uh, All Access. And we wish Charlie Adam well as well at Fleetwood Town. Big job on his hands now at the bottom of the table in that division. Anyway, we've got to dive into League Two next course we do and find out what's been happening. Uh, EFL All Access is what you're listening to here on TalkSport 2 in partnership with 888 Sport, made to challenge, made to debate and made to play. It's 18 plus, begambleaware.org. On DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app and on your smart speaker. EFL All Access on TalkSport 2. Let's dissect League Two, Adrian. Stockport, top of the table, 51 points from 26 played Mansfield uh, only have 49 from 24 so two games in hand which maybe means that they'll be top very very soon Wrexham 49 points from 25 four points behind them are Barrow at 42 from 26 games for Notts County uh, they're a point ahead of Crew Alexandra a further two points back AFC Wimbledon rounding off the playoff picture for the moment uh, MK Dons in eighth place at the moment on 39 points as well as AFC Wimbledon and all the way down to Crawley in 12th are just three points behind so incredibly tight in terms of who might get into that playoff picture at this point in time at the weekend massive game Stockport beat Mansfield huge game at the top of the table there's also four wins uh, on the mounts for Tranmere they had a 4-2 win over Notts County and Wrexham had a dramatic turnaround against Barrow in another crucial game towards the top it was a heck of a weekend in League 2 <laughs> yeah it really was yeah look anyone in the top half can go up I do think that the top three are the top three are the three that will end up getting automatic promotion. I think that they are the best teams, Stockport, Mansfield and, and Wrexham for, for varying reasons. Um, I think the race for the playoffs is going to be absolutely fascinating. A massive win for Mansfield at Stockport, wasn't it? 2-0. And what's really interesting about this is that um, Nigel Clough played his best front four in the previous game against Doncaster and they drew that one all. And he basically irritated his first choice front four for the game at Stockport. You know, the biggest game of the season. And they win 2-0. Mm. So, because he just said we needed to freshen it up. You know, I felt they were running on empty. So it was a really brave call from him. But boy, did it pay off. So, yeah, really, really, really good Christmas for, for Mansfield. Four wins and a draw. They've been knocking on the door for years. They've got a lot of money. Um, ambitious owners, but... Finally, it feels like they have a team that, that might go up. Any concerns over Stockport at this point in time? It's been a very difficult run for them, just two wins in the last eight games. 
Yeah, I'm surprised. Yeah, because they've got a great squad. Fantastic in forward areas. They've got loads and loads of good, good goal scorers. And, and yeah, history tells you that they're pretty solid and well-organised as well. So, yeah, I wouldn't be overly concerned yet. But um, yeah, this, that, you know that was a bad result, and um, they need to they need to pick things up. But look, all three of the teams in those positions—Stockport, Mansfield, and Wrexham—they've got a few quid. So <laughs> I would imagine that they'll all strengthen pretty handily over the next few weeks, and just to make sure that they're in pole position to to keep those those automatic spots. Bit of a managerial merry-go-round in League Two as well. Colchester sacking Matthew Everington, only appointed earlier on this season, 22nd uh, in League Two, five points clear of safety. Four straight defeats for Salford City. They departed with Neil Wood during the Christmas break, linked with basically anyone that's ever played with Manchester United to replace him. Rooney, what about Rooney? (laughs) Yeah, it might be Wayne Rooney, to be perfectly honest, after today. And Troy Deeney now in charge of Forest Green as well, with a difficult task in terms of keeping them up. What do you make Mm. of those three? sides Colchester Salford and Forest Green right now well Salford are, are in real trouble they've got to appoint someone and they've got to do it quickly because they're in free fall um they had been a really solid team in league two but you know it didn't work out with Neil Wood but but they're, they're, it's, things are escalating they've got to appoint someone quickly and arrest this slide otherwise they'll slip into the bottom two which will be disastrous for Matty Etherington it was a really bad run awful run um you know lost eight of their last nine games I don't think he can have too many complaints and, and, you know, coming off the back of a sack in at Crawley where he didn't last very long, I feel for him. You wonder whether he's going to be offered any more jobs as a, as a first team head coach, Matty Etherington. So yeah, real blow for him. Forrest Green are interesting, obviously with Troy Deeney. I'm looking at the fixtures for them. They are tough. With the exception of Sutton, they've got to play all of the bottom half sides. So all of their immediate rivals away from home. They've played them all at home already. That, mate, that means that it's, it's a tough second half of the season for Forrest Green. And look, Troy's, you know, he's he's learning on the job, isn't he? So I wish him the best, but I think they're right up against it, Forrest Green. But the rot set in, Hugh, when they appointed Duncan Ferguson last year, that was one of the worst appointments I can ever remember because it came out of left field and they just plummeted. And I just don't think the team and the players have recovered from that that losing streak they had in League One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally agree with you, to be honest. It's been a terrible period and Troy Deeney's going to have to find almost a miracle at this point in time just to get them through the season and keep their football league status. Uh, listen, Adrian, it's been a pleasure to be with you for the past hour or so, getting yeah. us kicked off in 2024.